Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. And this is our companion episode for The Missing Link, episode 18 of season five of Supergirl. And our topic is logic and emotions, or logic versus emotions, if you prefer, which sort of begs the question, are emotions inherently illogical? And there are lots of ways to explore this like thematic dichotomy. But for this episode, we're going to focus on like how much do the characters trust their emotional judgment compared to their reasoning skills or use their emotional judgment compared to their reasoning skills? How comfortable are they with feeling emotions as opposed to like keeping it cool or being detached? And how emotionally intelligent are they compared to other kinds of intelligence like being book smart or tactically minded or good at making Luther grand schemes, (laughs) etc. So in order to tackle this topic, first, maybe we want to consider what is the point of emotions? Like, Why do we have feelings? Because sometimes they suck. Yeah. (laughs) Why? (laughs) So for those of you like Lena Luthor, who have never seen the Disney film Inside Out, which is all (laughs) about emotions and why it is necessary for them in order to live as a human person. (laughs) (laughs) Really could have saved a lot of uh, trouble. (laughs) Lena could have saved herself a lot of trouble and fear of the need for therapy if she had just been exposed to more children's media in her youth. Yeah. That really gets to the root of her problems, her childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But this kind of connects to the issue of what function do emotions serve? And one of the most important things is that we as humans exist within social networks. We're inclined to be social and we need other people in order to survive. So we need some way to be able to understand and relate to the people around us in order to function and to accomplish our goals in a broader context. The other reason that emotions are so important is that we all communicate because we're social with other people, but we also do a lot of intrapersonal communicating, which is communicating with yourself, (laughs) which is not necessarily like talking aloud to yourself, even though that might help. That does count. Anything like daydreaming, reflecting on your own thoughts, processing your feelings, that's a huge component of how we communicate more broadly because we have to understand ourselves in order to understand the world around us and the other people in it. Mm -hmm. And intrapersonal communication serves a few functions. Not only does it help you process your own feelings, but it can help you mentally prepare for how you're going to engage with other people in different scenarios. So maybe you're going to rehearse what you're going to say anticipate the emotional reaction the person will have so that you know how to respond, that kind of stuff. And it's also a good way for us to slow down and process our own feelings before we immediately act upon them. And it's a way for us to consider new information and new ideas and then to adapt and develop some resiliency. Another thing that emotions are useful for is judging the environment around us in order to determine if something is potentially a threat to us or if we've discovered something that we really like or enjoy that's going to be beneficial to us. Unfortunately, though... We can be tricked what? <laughs> very easily, as this episode may or may not have made very clear. <laughs> uh, so if you think about, like, a haunted house is probably a really good example of that, where the environmental cues around you are being manipulated to make you feel a certain way using the visuals, the sounds, maybe the smells or the textures even. Mood music. Yes, the mood music. <laughs> and we all do this to ourselves or we've experienced it, you know. 
Like you hear a song and it brings out certain emotions or you actively choose to do something that will help you feel a certain way because you want to feel that way. Mm. But we can also be deceived by people performing an emotion that they may not sincerely mean beyond making it look like they do. Because they're maybe moving their face or presenting their body language in a certain way or saying words that sound deceptively like they mean one thing, but the person secretly means something else, which we know Lex was doing a lot this whole season. Yeah, (laughs) we saw lots of great examples with him and Eve specifically and pretending to be like empathetic and compassionate. Yeah. And then. The last reason that having feelings is useful is that it can actually boost your performance with certain kinds of tasks or in social situations where you know how you feel and you feel confident. And then obviously in the reverse, if you have negative feelings, that might hinder your performance in certain situations, which we've Mm -hmm. seen, particularly, for example, with Brainy, who's not a big fan of emotions. If you think back to early in season four, when he was trying to tell Kara where to go when Elcorp was being attacked, he was so distracted by... By emotion that he couldn't focus on what he needed to do or make the right decisions. Yeah. And we know that car can be positively energized by certain emotions, mm-hmm. even anger. Yes. And speaking of anger, in this episode, with regard to emotions, we had a nice example of beings who are not thinking logically at all and seem to be expressing a particular emotion that looks like anger. Pure rage. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The prisoners who were attacking and running after Lex, Lena, and poor Steve. And Lex is very easily able to to manipulate them and lure them in certain directions and they never really catch on. But the question is also whether or not they are actually feeling the emotion of anger or if they're simply in that fight or flight mode, that like attack mode. And that's interesting and ties into this theory that I want to talk about because they're not necessarily experiencing like the concept of the emotion anger, which brings us kind of back to the idea that you expressed of intrapersonal communication and your emotions telling you something. Emotions can be a form of information processing, Hmm. which relates to this theory that I like by Lisa Feldman Barrett, who is a neuroscientist. She created this theory of constructed emotion, which is relatively new. But the idea is that emotions are basically concepts that we form with the help of language, as opposed to something that we come prepackaged with the ability to feel. And the use of language categorizes pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral messages that we receive from our bodies into emotions like anger, or more complex emotions like regret. And we make these categories of emotions using predictions based on the context that we get these messages in. So basically, they're very quick ways of processing information, like what is happening in front of you, how this relates to what has happened to you before, and information about how you are reacting now. And, you know, quick or generalized judgments in general can be flawed. And we know this to be true of emotions. Some examples with relation to this theory are how someone may feel their heart racing and then feel anxious because they're getting that message that they're in a highly energetic state. When in reality, that's happening because they drank coffee or some other physical reason. There's a communication between your body and your head that influences the emotions that you experience. And with relation to processing information, for instance, Lena seeing Kara in season three go behind her back 
and judging that and feeling a certain way about that because it reminds her specifically of Lillian. The level of betrayal is different than she would feel without that connection and that correlation between the events. Mm. So because these generalizations about the information that you're getting can be flawed, emotions can be disregarded entirely. But then conversely, emotions are very strong and <laughs> difficult not to trust, especially when trauma is involved, especially in abusive situations which require the development of a kind of sense for when maybe an abuser is about to act a certain way. And a lot of the subtle messages that you're getting are not necessarily something the person who's being abused knows consciously, but they instead have a sense of fear. It's sort of faster and streamlined way of processing information. And I actually thought it was interesting in this episode how they talked about the brain with relation to the prisoners when Lena said that Kloss felt like his life was in danger his brain adapted, it evolved to protect itself, which is actually somewhat accurate in sentiment in that emotions are concepts that are not represented literally in a certain space in the brain. And therefore, the brain can sometimes compensate for actual physical damage that happens and sort of reroute those processes. And this idea of emotions being a form of information processing and a way that you can gather information, it makes sense that we see Lex time and again be hindered by the fact that he doesn't feel like empathy the same way the other characters do. It's his like blind spot. He doesn't have a sort of quick, deep understanding of other people the way that you might experience through empathy. He has to sort of carefully, logically plot out how people may behave. Another way of conceiving of emotions versus logic, as opposed to whether or not your emotions can be trusted as a source of information or a way to make judgments, is the experience of having emotions and the idea of emotion as an experience or a behavior, like something that you can choose to perform or act out. And the idea of whether or not you give in to your emotions and act them out or if you reel them in. Hmm. Yeah. It was kind of interesting how in last week's episode, Lillian used the vocabulary we associate with addiction and addictive behavior to describe Lex's driving desire for vengeance against the supers. And in a way, connecting to our topic, his anger. Yeah, his over-the-top emotional displays. Yeah. He doesn't really seem to experience affection, but he certainly experiences obsession <laughs> and all of the emotions that are connected to that, especially in negative ways. Mm. But the way that Lillian described it kind of like an addiction and how these past few episodes have really dealt with emotional triggers for things and issues like cycles of abuse and just very difficult patterns of behavior to overcome was kind of striking because there are multiple characters in this show who've been dealing with almost like lifelong balancing acts in terms of trying to rein in their natural emotional impulses or physical abilities. Mm -hmm. If you think about Kara, she does that all the time. Mm -hmm. Lena has been kind of going through this emotional battle for a large part of her life in terms of how she thinks she should feel versus how she does feel and how she should act. Mm. And then with Brainy and the issue of his inhibitors and the decision to take them off or not take them off and then what that's done to him. Mm. And they've all been really struggling with it and have had varying degrees of success or lack thereof in terms of how they manage this battle between their emotions and the control over their emotions. And it is reminiscent of essentially a battling against addiction in a way because there's no end date to it. Mm. There's no rewards. There's no goal. It's something you do every day and it's tiring. It's repetitive. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of energy 
to just be able at the end of the day to say you didn't do something. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And so we've reached the point where that's unraveling a little bit for some of the characters in a way that's led them to some interesting places, if not maybe the ideal place we'd want them to be. But it's also given us some room to see if they're able to change and how they might change, which we'll talk about more in a minute. Mm -hmm. So let's take a closer look at the characters in this episode and their journeys. We've talked about Lex a couple times here as sort of an interesting example of a person with a certain kind of relationship with emotions. And it's quite amusing to me, actually, that Lex, again, is sort of surprised how Lena reacts in this episode, in that he offers her this pitch of like the Luthers ruling the world, essentially. And he thinks that's going to work and is surprised that Lena doesn't agree with this logical conclusion that he has made. And he's totally spelled it out and it makes sense for him in his head. And this is his grand plan that he has built up for months. Well, the part about it that's the funniest is like, he remembers the previous universe, but so does Lena. So hmm. why does he ever think this would work in the long run? <laughs> well, Lex has such an inflated sense of self, which we talked about. Exactly. He's so overconfident in his own abilities and his natural uh, charm <laughs> <laughs> that he just assumed it would work because Lena is his little sister and Lena idolizes him. Hmm. And Lena, if he cuts her off from anyone else who will ever tell her anything, anything good about herself will have no choice but to believe him. Mm, Yes. And he's again at this sort of like tactical disadvantage in a way because he doesn't have that empathy as we talked about and that powerful information processing tool. And he again no longer bothers to regulate his emotions in any way in this episode when he has that outburst at Lena. And it almost looks like he's mimicking the faces of the prisoners who had this sort of cartoonish look of rage on their faces. Except that it's played straight. Yeah. And I mean, it is a heat of the moment kind of thing. He is angry and he is, I guess, as close as he might get to disappointed. Hmm. But it's also a very common thing that's come up in psychological profiles of abusers. And I know there were a lot of people who commented that they felt very rattled by watching that scene. Mm -hmm. And he's always been aware of how his real emotions will play in front of others. So he puts on a show of regulating them when it's to his advantage so that he doesn't come across as too scary or too extreme. But here... The walls are down at this point because he realizes he's losing, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like his tactic of last resort. He's going to essentially scare Lena into doing what he wants her to do. But the other part about it that was interesting, in a way, is that we saw last week a hint that this is a learned behavior to some extent for Lex as well. Because we saw Lillian do this same thing, Mm. but with a much cooler, detached facade, if you will. But she was very severe with him when she finally lost her temper. She snapped in kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. And it's because she sees something happening that's beyond her control. And Lex, very like her in this episode, is seeing that Lena has made a step that is beyond his control. And much like his mother, his first reaction is to be extremely aggressive in order to frighten Lena into submission. And that worked when she was seven or eight years old, but she at least now has a foundation, however shaky, Mm. of something different. And she knows that however much she screwed up, that that's maybe still there. Yeah. So that takes us to Lena. Let's take a look at her growth in this episode by first taking a look at actually the foundation of the character, which I think is very much 
rooted in this idea of logic versus emotion. Mm, yeah, that's been like her struggle. Mm, especially given how the Luthers perceive feelings and friends. <laughs> what do you mean? They perceive them as non-existent cycles. <laughs> <laughs> and right when we were introduced to the character of Lena Luther in season two, she talked about how she wanted to distance herself from the Lutheran name. And we understood that that was basically the goal for the character. And the thing that we would see her struggle with for the remainder in all likelihood of her character arc across the seasons. And we've seen her struggle with which Luther type qualities to accept in herself and which ones to avoid, which is not unexpected for a person who was emotionally abused by her family. Mm. And these are a mix of like modeling their exact behavior or behaviors that she's formed as a coping mechanism to deal with their behavior. And we've seen her struggle with like avoiding maybe rash emotion-based decision-making. She talked about in season three how she has the emotional range of Medea. Which remains one of my favorite character insights to this day because I love that play, which <laughs> maybe tells you things about me, but um, <laughs> it's one of the most iconic classical stage roles for women, but it is not a flattering comparison. It does, however, tell you that Lena understands herself pretty well. Yeah. The other time we saw her reflect upon the feelings that she was experiencing and whether or not they were good was in season two when Jack died, mm -hmm. Jack Spear, who she was romantically involved with. And she talked about how Lillian behaved when her son was taken away to prison and she behaved very coldly and did not display emotions. And Lena feared that she would sort of become emotionally numb as triggered by loss. She was not fond of these qualities that she was seeing in herself. And we've also seen her kind of take steps to embrace certain qualities that she associates with being a Luther, like being smart, cunning, or strategic, as she mentioned in the episode For Good in season three. Mm. We've seen her embrace her ability to manipulate others and suppress her true feelings in order to reach an end goal. And she's used it in positive ways, like with Lillian a couple times, like in season two, mm. and then again in season three. But then all of these qualities, all of them, become an issue for Lena when she doesn't moderate them. Yeah, well, and she kind of knows it, but she also... And this has been her blind spot for several years now, and it really came to the forefront this season. She has this confidence that she'll know when it's gone too far in the direction of the rest of her family. Mm. But she's been replicating behavior that she's learned from them the whole entire time since her character was introduced in season two and bringing it into new relationships that had completely different contexts and people who live in a very different world that is not full of outright aggression and negativity <laughs> in the same way. But she's been reacting in increasingly negative and damaged ways like the Luthers would in contexts where it's not necessarily justified and it's snowballed. And that's kind of how she's gotten to where she is at this point in season five. We talked about this a little bit last week. But she's copied the thing we saw Lex do with Eve of showing, you know, showing sarcastically <laughs> how much you care about someone by making really big gestures so that they know that it was you and that the other people know it was you. And she'll attach strings to favors or to gifts or things like that in order to kind of have something to hold over people for later. She also grew increasingly more likely to hide things, keep secrets from the people close to her, and she has a very high rejection sensitivity, which, 
Of course she does, as someone who's always been emotionally abused by her whole family, because she just assumes that people will always be overly critical or nitpick her and never forgive her, even for the most minor of things. Mm. So instead of acknowledging things and saying, yeah, I did it, I'm sorry, or yeah, I did it, I shouldn't have, she just hides it or lies about it. And the hiding and the lies grow exponentially more problematic over time. Yes, they do. <laughs> you sort of see the decline begin in season three with like Rain and, and Sam, I would say. Yeah. And we see in a way that is unfortunately similar to Lex and Lillian, there's a sense of hubris in there. There is an overconfidence in her own intelligence. Like intellectually, she doesn't recognize the pitfalls of emotional intelligence and emotion in general. And she just believes that she'll be able to solve not only all of her own problems, but the world's problems, and that she doesn't need any help to do it. Mm. The other things are interpersonal issues that you see a lot with her as time goes on, holding grudges against people over things in the same way that Lillian or Lex would, intentionally embarrassing someone mm. or making them uncomfortable socially on purpose because she feels like she's been slighted or cut off from a conversation and she believes that she didn't deserve to be. It's a power play. It's a status thing. And I think she doesn't even realize that she's doing it in a way that's imitating the rest of her family. That's the issue with a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, well, but then that's why we'll talk about in a second. This episode was such a big step for her. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's kind of funny when she decides in season three that she can embrace some of the things she acquired growing up in the Luther household, but she can also kind of keep it in check, mm -hmm. is that was the season in which Lillian actively praised her for her ability to manipulate people and ruin their lives over the long term. And specifically because it was a way of expressing her emotions in a controlled way, if you will. Mm. And Lena had the right read on it initially. She looked at Lillian and was like, I was in the seventh grade and that was dumb. And Lillian was like, no, it was a sign of your budding brilliance. <laughs> And we saw that a few times this season with Lena, especially in the way that she was treating Kara, mm -hmm. but also in the way she treated Andrea when they were younger and now. Yes. And you talked about this idea that Lena has that she will be able to solve the world's problems using her Luther smarts, as she has put them. But she reflects upon this compulsion that she had in this episode when she says, I thought that I knew better. She thought that she would be able to solve basically an emotional problem with pure logic and it obviously fails. But it wasn't logic, which is the thing that she's come to realize. Mm, yeah. But she wanted to use her reasoning skills to solve an emotional problem, not only with relation to people feeling bad in the world, but her own emotional state. Yes. And this sort of progression and battle that Lena has with relation to her reasoning and her feelings as sort of inherited from the Luthers is a lifelong battle that will never be like fixed and accomplished. It's going to be something that she has to keep an eye on for forever. Yeah. Which sounds super depressing. So <laughs> the important thing there is that it'll get easier for her mm -hmm. as long as she learns to recognize it and is open to recognizing it. And part of what will help her with that is surrounding herself with people who don't behave like that and who will be able to say to her like, hey, this is a problem. Maybe we need to solve it in a more constructive way and deal with your feelings differently. Mm. 
But we saw very quickly Lena, much of her behavior was entirely apart from Lex, but it was triggered by an emotional confrontation that they had. Mm. And we see her spiral as a result of it. And in this episode, we see Lex basically offer his final temptation <laughs> that they should become humanity's savior. And when he offers this to Lena, she says, a Luther, like a Luther could save the world. And it's basically what she's always wanted in a way, mm-hmm. sort of redemption of her Luther identity, either the parts of herself that are Luther as separate from the Luther name or in embracing the Luther name and rebranding it. <laughs> and something that's interesting in terms of emotion is that Lena in this confrontation has a clear emotional reaction to Lex shouting about her failures in her face. She obviously displays fear and sadness. Well, and we know that this is a pattern that's happened before because last year he made some nasty remark to her about how she never would have reached any of her potential if he'd ever told her that she did a good job at anything. Mm, Yeah. So it's a familiar feeling in a way. Mm. But she becomes particularly upset when he mentions the depravity of humanity and that his way a.k.a. forcibly making people do what he wants. Like abusive (laughs) tactics, (laughs) yes, are the only way. And it just struck me as sort of the great lie of the Luthers and kind of generally of an abusive family structure that all people are bad, as evidenced by the members of your family, and you can't escape becoming bad as well. Yeah, and that's really the moment where Lex doesn't realize that he's holding up a mirror Mm. in a way that's going to push Lena totally away from him. Because this is the moment at which she is hearing some of her own logic and her own language in the way that she was so driven to complete non nocere, coming out of Lex's mouth and being phrased in a context where she can see that it is wrong. And it kind of clicks for her that if I was doing things with a rationale that sounds like his, then maybe Kara was right. And that's where she kind of starts pulling together the strength to change her mind a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know how I talk about core beliefs? Yes. Your favorite thing. (laughs) Yes. It's a psychological tool that therapists will use to like get a patient to admit out loud the thing that they believe deep down. For instance, with Lena, it's that she is a bad person and she reacts in all kinds of ways because of this core belief. But saying it out loud kind of confronts you with how disconnected from reality it is. And this is why, you know, it's important to dissect the messages your emotions are giving you. And in this scene, she is being confronted with her own core belief in seeing Lex say that this is the only way you can behave, that you're going to be basically a bad person. And then the other belief that she holds and the thing that she has been acting out through this non thing that people are inherently bad. So like you said, it is a great kind of mirror for her. And something I thought was interesting in that scene with relation to Lena and her struggle with the Luther name is how she kind of, after Lex yells at her, uses tools that we know and associate with Lutherness. She takes this deep breath and we see her rain in her emotions, which is definitely something you can connect to like Lillian's ability to do so for herself. And she gives Lex this like death glare, but it's a powerful moment using these tools in a positive way for her own mental health and the well-being of everyone in the world at this point. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we hear the Luther motif play as she does this. Hmm. Then she says to Lex, you're a monster, but I don't have to be. 
And I thought it was a nice way of connecting her struggle with her Luther-like qualities and, and balancing them and whether or not she's trying to emulate Supergirl and be completely removed from the Luther name or embrace it entirely and then kind of follow that down a dark path. Instead, here she's coming to a realization at the same time as she is actively using those tools in a positive way, striking a kind of nice balance for the time being. It'll be interesting if they follow this up in season six, because she might get now why Kara said she wanted a space to just be Kara. Hmm. But also, too, she's kind of almost in a place where she's ready to have a moment like Kara did between seasons four and season five of being like, no, the Danvers parts of who I am as a person Mm. are as much me as my other family. And where she's ready to say, like, okay, I took some things from this family, but I'm ready to be me and embrace the other parts of my life. Yeah. So Lena has this revelation and she goes to talk to Kara and confesses to her that you were right this whole time I became a villain, which is unexpected in how directly she confronts that truth. Yeah, which for Lena, and I talked about this last week too, that's a huge step forward for someone who is so afraid to admit weakness because she grew up in a family where every weakness was pounced upon. Mm -hmm. Like to not only concede that she was wrong in several ways, but to also recognize and acknowledge that the things that she was doing were destructive, not just to herself, but to others, Hmm. is a very good indication that she's ready to move forward, finally. Lena is a character who is not a fan of self-reflection at all, (laughs) but in a very different way than Kara will avoid emotions or Alex will avoid emotions. Hmm. They know what the emotions are, they just don't want to indulge in the feelings, whereas Lena just doesn't want to have the feelings, period. (laughs) She doesn't want to confront the like big scary monster that she thinks she'll find there which is like oh you're a bad person (laughs) yeah and she's really been struggling to understand that you can do bad things and not be a bad person because everyone in her life is a bad person like objectively (laughs) and also she just wasn't raised in an environment where it was okay to make mistakes and so that was really good to see but it's also really important to know and it's very clear that both characters understand that that this was a starting point it was not an end point point. and you could see that very clearly in Kara's body language and the way that the scene was shot where there's so much space between them yeah. which may not seem strange now after we've all been standing six feet away from each other <laughs> yes and it's interesting thinking about Lena how she sees this going moving forward with Kara because she specifically says I'm not looking for forgiveness which is interesting because just last week you mentioned Lena's lack of experience with forgiveness in general yeah as a concept <laughs> yes as a concept and how Lena can't admit wrongdoing because she doesn't think forgiveness is possible generally mm. and here we see her admit to wrongdoing despite the fact that she doesn't expect forgiveness yeah and some of that is definitely an indication of the fact that she's finally done some emotional reflecting on her side of this big rift that's happened and some of it is having grown up in a house that is full of deceit and two-facedness with regard to words or actions i think lena in this moment a she's a little hesitant to say she's sorry because she isn't sure what Kara might say to that. Mm. But also I think part of it might be she recognizes that saying you're sorry doesn't fix what she did. Mm-hmm. Demonstrating that she means it by helping in some way or putting things right is what's really going to say that she's sorry. It's 
her thing about expressing emotion through gestures, mm. but in a healthy way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But let's talk about Kara and her experience of this conversation and what she is going through in this episode. I thought it was interesting, actually, what she says to Alex toward the beginning of the episode with relation to Lena possibly working with Lex and Leviathan, that it makes me so angry. I just want to. And then Alex interrupts her and says, hide, which you'd almost expect her to finish with, like, it makes me want to throw someone into the sun or it makes me want to punch things, which are things that she's expressed before in connection to anger specifically. And the idea of hiding because of this emotion is a little bit different. And Kara looks at Alex in this moment when she says hide, kind of in the same way that she did when in season two, Alex confronted her about Clark abandoning her. There's a sort of uneasiness in the way she just watches Alex after she says the thing. And these are both times when Kara doesn't want to confront her own emotions. But to understand why, we should take a look at Kara's relationship with anger throughout the seasons. Probably the first episode that pops into your mind is Red Faced mm. in season one, episode six, which was about controlling anger for Kara and, and figuring out basically what information is contained within that quote, the anger behind the anger. And we have that piece of music associated with anger, harnessing anger that we've talked a lot about on the podcast that plays when she is sort of releasing her anger in a kind of productive pro-social way in defeating Red Tornado. But we get these flashes of the destruction of Krypton. And we learned that the source of these feelings of anger, ultimately for Kara, is rooted in her loss that she has experienced. And we see her deal with unprocessed feelings concerning loss with her like emotional outburst in episode eight, when she says, you let everyone that I love die and then tries to heat vision the Allura hologram, an obvious act of aggression. And we saw her act aggressively in falling when she was forced to express her unprocessed resentments mm. toward Alex for killing Astra. Well, among others. <laughs> yes, among many others. And these feelings of anger seem to be generally her brain's way of telling her that she's losing something or that she's lost something, reminding her of that, sort of that information processing again. And I think what she's experiencing in this episode is fatigue with controlling that emotion of anger that we'd seen her struggle with before and that leads her to want to just hide. Hmm, yeah. And that goes back to what I said earlier on in the podcast about characters who are really walking this line of how to regulate these very strong and intense emotions that are associated with very complicated childhood trauma. And Kara especially just carries this burden around constantly. Mm. And I mean... She can make peace with it to an extent, but there's no way for her to exert any control over the situation. And that's part of where some of the anger comes from. Mm -hmm. It's a contrast with Lena, who reacted to feeling very hurt by actively controlling things. And with Kara, the other issue is if she wanted to, she could do that. She could control people. And that's part of why Lex is so intimidated and afraid of the supers, mm. that they can do that, but they choose not to. And that's another thing that Kara is constantly reining in and modifying so that she isn't considered threatening to people. And that's something she's going to have to do for essentially her entire life on Earth. And 
it's, you know, her sensory systems because she'll get overwhelmed by sounds, by the things that she sees, by her physical responses. She has to moderate all the time in order not to hurt people or damage things. Her whole posture, her manner of being, she needs to make sure that she doesn't come across in a way that frightens people, particularly when she's out and about as an alien. And that gets exhausting. Yeah. And that's why she wants those places where she can just be Kara. And that's also at the heart of the conflict that she has with Lena. All of that stuff is really wrapped up together in a lot of weird and complicated ways. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why we see Kara lean so heavily on, like, logic in this episode. Mm. Yeah. She's being much more procedural. Mm. Yes. She leans more on using her reasoning skills, like, in her very reporter, like, digging into Leviathan and even with, like, connecting the dots with Lena with regard to the Morai showing up and releasing the Sun Eater just after Lena was there. Mm-hmm. And we see Alex kind of reflect an understanding of Lena's emotions, actually, when she says Myriad is a trigger for Lena, so maybe her arrival is a coincidence. But for Kara, she's she's like burned out with relation to probably Lena and their relationship in general. Well, she's burned out with caring about Lena's feelings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like emotional labor, like yeah. having to try to empathize with someone and think about like why they're doing the things that they're doing can be taxing. Yeah, and she was already at that point in the fortress. <laughs> yes. Because she was more concerned about, you know, stopping all the bad things that were happening. And she's like, I don't have time to add this to the pile, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Carr is thinking things through logically, and there's less emotional weight this way. But she can't exactly escape from sort of constant vigilance over her behavior and interacting with other people, even with regard to her own intelligence. No, that was a really nice little way of sneaking that in, Mm. in the scene where she and Alex go to meet Kelly's friend at the Congressional Library. And I did laugh because I've done this a few times (laughs) Um, because he immediately starts commenting on things that stand out to him about her writing style, her word choice, her syntax and grammar. And it's unsettling to her that someone who's never met her can spot things that make her stand out in a way that might hint. And it doesn't really hint like he asks a perfectly normal question, you know, do you speak more than one language? Have you traveled a lot? But she still sort of panics. Mm -hmm. She can't even be forthcoming about, you know, how she learns language, what languages she does know, Mm. things that she may have a very deep understanding of, but that will come across as being suspicious. And it was a very subtle tie back to Kara's ongoing struggle with that. Hmm. Yes. So there's new real escaping the fact that Kara has a lot to deal with. But in the final scene, I think we see sort of a mix of logic and emotion in a kind of complicated way Mm. with Lena. And she creates a sort of distance when Lena approaches her and maintains it throughout the scene. And and that's sort of like a cool, collected, logical way of approaching the situation. Mm. And we see her create boundaries, which we know was a big problem at the beginning of the season. (laughs) Yes. But she also has a degree of compassion. And sort of fittingly, after Lena makes her appeal to Kara, Kara takes sort of a deep breath to calm herself, it seems, the same way that we saw Lena take a deep breath to kind of regulate her feelings before she speaks, saying, 
sit down. And Kari decides to directly confront the situation at hand. She's going to sit down with Lena and they're going to talk about things that are probably uncomfortable for both of them. And this is a direct contrast with Kara's instinct at the beginning of the episode, which was to hide, which was a nice rounding out of her little arc in this episode with regard to anger and emotion. Mm, yes. And now we have a handful of other characters who dealt with logic versus emotions in this episode. Brainy has been dealing with this for quite some time. And Lex says outright to him to manipulate Brainy to continue to work with him. What he says, but that's your anxiety thinking, not logic. <laughs> and we see Brainy again, kind of in a sort of ultimate way, stick to logic by the end of the episode over his friendships and his feelings and wish to go to them and help them and be open with them. Mm, yeah, I liked that this episode came back to his conflict with Nia and the reasons that they split up because it's tied to that issue of balancing logic and emotion and parts of who you are mm. in the same way that Kara struggles with that and Lena struggles with it a little bit. At the start of the season, we had a brainy who was concerned that he was too much but also that he was missing things because of the inhibitors. And mm. now that they're off, he's supposed to be at his, you know, intellectual best or whatever. Mm. But he's constantly plagued by emotion and second guessing himself at every turn. And Lex is playing into that in much the same way that he's been able to manipulate Lena for as long as he has through social isolation and then twisting people's perceptions of their own feelings and the things that they think about and so when he uses those signal words about logic, Brainy is connecting that to the way the other Brainiacs kind of had some disdain for him because of the inhibitors mm. and the way that he was behaving. And he's not necessarily trusting his own sense of what's right because he's afraid, well, he's afraid he'll be wrong and the world will end. <laughs> but he's still having that same kind of struggle of who is he and how does that play into it? And so that was kind of cool to see connect back to the bigger story of the episode. Your point about how he was struggling to kind of dial back his displays of affection mm. toward Nia at the beginning of the season compared to now where he is trying to stick completely to pure logic is interesting because we see with most of these characters that a lot of their personality traits end, particularly with logic and emotion. It's a balancing act of extremes mm. and trying to find a middle ground that works for you as a person in, in your relation with other people. And then we have Nia, who experiences different kinds of feelings in this episode than maybe literal emotions through her dream powers. And it's fitting because dreams are another expression of non-literal information in the way that emotions can be. And in terms of where she lies on that scale of trusting feelings or not, she's slow to take them seriously in this episode. And initially when she sees brainy in her prophetic dreams, she thinks he's there because she's upset about their breakup, the same way that she has in the past assumed that his presence was because of that emotional element. Mm. And she goes straight for the more literal clues that she sees in the dream, the symbol that leads them to the geological station. And then we also see her get bad vibes from the staff in the DEO when they bring Ramakan in, but she doesn't act in any way to address it. And she's eventually too late to do anything about it. However, we do see her finally address Brainy in this episode with her feelings that she has felt for a while. We haven't really seen a confrontation like this where they directly talk about it since they broke up. 
And we know that Nia was trying to hide how upset she was in past episodes about a lot of things. So this is a step forward for her character. Yeah. And the final character that we will address with relation to the theme of logic versus emotions is Alex, who basically forgets to fear in this episode. (laughs) Details. (laughs) (laughs) She's so busy chasing a lead and trying to find answers, a very sort of logical endeavor, that she puts Pete's life in danger, Kelly's friend. And she actually uses a similar kind of greater good results-based logic to talk Pete into helping her go after Levine that Lex uses to convince Brainy in the episode. Mm. Alex says, if we're right about this, this is a matter of global security. We cannot be concerned about breaking the rules. And Lex said to Brainy, sometimes for the greater good, you have to break a few super eggs about essentially giving Leviathan tools which they would use to attack Supergirl to get to their ship and take them down. Planners, both those kids, Alex and Lex. (laughs) Yes. And Alex eventually has a moment of self-reflection in realizing that maybe she went a little too far and and was less cautious than she should have been in her pursuit of that knowledge that would be used for the greater good. So that wraps up our thoughts related to our topic for this week. But we did have a couple of closing observations before we answer all of the questions that you sent. And our thoughts were related to some of the characters who didn't play quite as much of a big role in this episode, but who we enjoyed nonetheless. Yes. (laughs) Jean and Magan had very open expressions of their feelings in this episode, which was very sweet. And I'm happy to see them happy after everything we've known that they've gone through. (laughs) And I hope that she sticks around. Yeah, that's been really nice, especially since Magan's storyline was underdeveloped in season two Hmm. i would love it if they would be able to get sharon leal to come back a little bit so that we can flesh out the character more Mm -hmm. but it was really fun to see her in this episode again especially because there was this very cool moment of all four of our like superhero action characters if you will Hmm. the female characters in the tower working together to solve the problem at the heart of this episode it was a Great visual. And the other cool thing about it was every single one of them was a different species, Mm. which is just fun to think about. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So our first question is from an anonymous Tumblr user. Isn't it weird how often and easily Kara and Alex swap views regarding Lena, with one taking the position of defending her and the other demonizing her? 5.8 and 5.18, for example. So first of all, is it demonizing her to say that She did something she actually did. Let's start there. (laughs) But honestly, no, in the sense that Kara and Alex often play this kind of counterbalancing role for each other. Mm. Take, for instance, in Both Sides Nail in season three, when Mm -hmm. Alex didn't believe that Julia was inside Purity. She thought that she was just pure monster through and through. And then Purity was mean to Alex and made her upset. And then (laughs) Kara... Kara was like, well, now she has to die. (laughs) She must, obviously. (laughs) Kara had the whole time been defending this idea that there's a good person inside of this world killer. And then she changed her mind. And then later on, Alex was the one who got through to Julia from inside of Purity when she saw a little bit of evidence. And just depending on evidence and and emotion, it makes sense for them to swap their views. Yeah, well, and also in both of those examples from 508 and 518, Alex has the more accurate read on the emotions at play in the situation in a way that Kara, because she's so directly involved, doesn't. Yes. 
Alex, I mean, she's got a 100% accurate read on exactly what did happen. Lena got angry because Myriad was involved and she and Kara had already had a whole big fight about that. I almost want to see Alex as maybe reading Lena like tactically, like she may an antagonistic figure for the DEO or something Mm. or someone she's trying to interrogate. When her feelings aren't involved, she can be very shrewd with regard to how people will behave. Mm, Yes. Next question is related in a way from Bat206. I've seen lots of posts lately on how Kara's been acting out of character in recent episodes, and especially this one. Do either of you think she's been acting out of character? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. No. No. We've talked a lot about Kara's motivations behind all of her decisions throughout the episodes. So the perception, I believe, that 206 is referring to is with reference to Kara being Lena's biggest supporter from the beginning and then up until very recently. And the assumption is that this is out of character as a opposed to a progression. Car's basically fatigued and they've gone around in circles and repeated behaviors can be their own kind of catalyst for change, like we talked about last week. There are only so many times that you can be disappointed in something and still support it implicitly without any doubt. So for our next question from an anonymous Tumblr user is, it was nice to see Lena genuinely apologize and take ownership of her actions in the final scene. But given what she's done this season and in past seasons, honestly, it felt like just the first step. What would a satisfying redemption arc look like for her, in your opinion? Well... Yeah, it was a first step. It was definitely not meant to be read as an end, Mm -hmm. and hopefully no one is taking it that way, especially (laughs) since the next episode is going to pick up right where this one left off. Mm. So as far as growth for Lena and making amends for the bad decisions that she's made, I think seeing her confront the fact that she needs to work on being more open and more honest with herself and with others is something I'd like to see for her in the future. Mm. She as a character has expressed before that she is not a fan of therapy, but wow, does she need it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that they'll incorporate that into the show, but it would be good, especially because the cast is so vocal about mental health issues, Mm. to see it more explicitly dealt with in some way. I think if they were to do it with any of the current cast, Lena would make the most sense for. Yeah, because Lena has a very human problem. Mm -hmm. And it's an interpersonal problem. So like another person to bounce off of. Yeah, especially because recovering from the kinds of things she experienced does require a lot of retraining your thought patterns, and that's not something you can do easily without help. Mm -hmm. And it should be done with professional help. Yes. But other than that, I think they're probably going to reboot her decision to take over the Luther family business and rebrand it. And that'll connect back to what we learned in season three about how Elcorp eventually cures the lead poisoning in the air that was affecting Monel. Mm-hmm. So I expect that will come full circle. But yeah, Lena, as I already said, is a person who uses action to show you how she feels. And I think we'll see a lot more gestures of reconciliation come through that way. But I will be very interested in seeing what form they take and if she's going to be the character that leans more into, well, not alien advocacy, but taking on projects that help marginalized groups in a way that maybe she hadn't previously considered or thinking about the effects that her work has on other people, because that was a revelation that she came to in this episode as well that we've all been sitting on for a while going, uh, you should think about that. (laughs) In terms of a redemption arc, I think what a lot of viewers 
see when they hear that phrase is the characters reuniting and, and bringing back the emotional relationships that have fallen apart. And I think for Lena and Kara, if that's going to happen, perhaps in the distant future, we'll see. I think for that to become healthier, Lena would need to practice truly empathizing with Kara in a way that she hasn't before and hasn't really had the opportunity in some ways. Mm. She only recently figured out the host of Kara's experiences, her best friend Kara with Supergirl. She's like a brand new person. And there's a lot of misunderstanding in their relationship that I think would become better if Lena takes steps to take on some of the emotional labor in their relationship in a way that we've never seen with them and have a more even and hopefully healthier dynamic. So we have another anonymous question. Now, since it's confirmed that Alex is going full vigilante, do you guys have any guesses as to what her vigilante alias may be? I'm not sure, especially at first, if Alex will necessarily want to have a vigilante name in the public eye. I do wonder if she'll be given some. (laughs) Maybe Andrea will give her one. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. Where's Wynn? I know. (laughs) It's really the question. I think I want to see her aesthetic first (laughs) and like the role that she plays before I can really give her an identity. Like we know James, when he became the guardian, that was very much rooted in his character, how he wanted to protect people because of his experiences, both with his father being someone who was in the military and how he faced injustice. So I want to know why Alex, Yeah. like the things that will motivate Alex. Like what's her superhero origin story? (laughs) Yes. That's not just like, oh, yeah, I should do that because that's what everyone else in my family does. That's like the Incredibles, but not. Her vigilante name is Big Sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I genuinely have no idea. Nothing stands out or comes to mind just based on like who she is as a person. (laughs) Yes. The name tends to be really tied to something integral to the character and their motivations for becoming a hero in that way. So it's hard to say because at the moment it just feels like it was a possibility that was tossed out there and Alex is looking for structure and she's like, I'll take it. (laughs) Well, she hasn't even taken it yet. You know, that's true. She hasn't thought about it yet. Maybe it'll be a development the same kind of way that Wynn's Toy Man was a development. Oh, true. And we have a related question from an anonymous Tumblr user. In this episode, the writers hint that they are going to make Alex a full-on vigilante. What are your thoughts on this? I was not a big fan of how they handled the Guardian storyline with James, and I hope they don't make the same mistakes with Alex. I had a very strong reaction to it, which was not enthusiastic. I'm not going to lie. There's a few reasons for that. It feels a little bit to me like how they had Alex make a snap decision at the end of season two Mm. that she then, when she had time to think about, realized was not the right decision. So there's a possibility that they're setting up for that, especially since we saw in her obsidian menu of options for herself that there were multiple other things there. The other part of it, too, is that it kind of feels contradictory when we've had her explicitly say several times that she wants to take a step back from putting her life at risk all the time. Hmm. Related to that, this made it not quite sit right, and I hope they explore this, is that the conversation Alex had with Pete in the episode I really liked it, both as a, as a character moment and for the revelation it brought her, which is this idea that Alex likes to work with a team. Mm. And 
in a team and that the reason she was making these risky decisions in this episode that became dangerous is that she's so accustomed to having a team to support her and she didn't and she hasn't adjusted to that yet. And the vigilante thing is like you're the one superhero and that's just not how she operates. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and what that'll look like for her. Mm -hmm. My other thought was that they're possibly considering it to really cement the value of the character as an original character within the DC universe to keep her linked to Supergirl for the future. And like, yeah, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing where I was hesitant was like, I get it. She's like an emotional successor to Oliver Queen. And we need someone <laughs> who has that like bigger sibling grump energy. But... <laughs> The thing you said about Alex needing to work with a team and how a vigilante is very typically not that a solo act. And also she's a rule follower a lot of the time, which this is the opposite of that. <laughs> well, but my point is that when Kara was introduced as a superhero, Supergirl, she made a point of saying, like, I'm not going to be the same thing that Clark was, mm. particularly with relation to teamwork and stronger together. Yeah, true. And how she wasn't going to be the same kind of thing that she was going to work with others. <laughs> and I don't know whether or not I'll like the storyline. It kind of depends on how they go about it. If they take it in a very traditional way, I will not enjoy it. But yeah. if they can do some interesting things that comment upon like who Alex is as a character with relation to some things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with her, like being a vigilante in yeah. general, then it can be interesting. I'm having a really hard time picturing it. Yeah. Well, the thing that's interesting is how hard it is to picture. So I kind of want to see it. Yeah, a little. See how it goes. Well, the other thing is I get it on a storytelling level because it'll be very hard to maybe keep her directly connected to some of the other stuff going on if she's not connected to the action directly. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we really didn't get any opportunities to see her and Jean working together, even though they were working together this season. Probably because they knew they were heading in this direction, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and that was such a big part of the early seasons, and I really miss it, and the actors have said they miss it, so it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. I do hope that they find a way of doing that within the context of her as a vigilante. Yeah, or whatever ultimately happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think there are some opportunities for interesting character work with regard to, like, Alex being Supergirl's hero. Yes. Maybe Kara can give her her superhero name. <gasps> yes. <laughs> But we were introduced with Alex as a character feeling like she was less than Kara because of Kara's abilities. So it'd be interesting to see her be literally in the realm of like superheroes and trying to accomplish maybe similar tasks and how Alex would go about it differently to make up for the fact that she's not super powered. And now also does not have an entire army of people <laughs> to supplement the fact that she doesn't have superpowers. <laughs> yes. All right. Our next question is from Snooze Moose, which is an awesome username. <laughs> yeah. For each of the super friends, what personality trait got them in the most trouble growing up? <sighs> mm. Kara has a mischievous streak when she wants to. Mm. Yeah, I think even the story that her Kryptonian friend on Argo told has something to do with the mischief. <laughs> is Gryffindor energy just a <laughs> yeah. personality trait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Kara definitely has a little bit of, like, a mischievous twinkle in her eye sometimes. I wonder if on Krypton it was more like curiosity. 
Yeah. Because there were a lot of mysteries happening <laughs> with relation to Astra and Ooh. everything. The planet was going to die soon. That makes her interest in like uncovering stories and stuff on Earth so much more interesting. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. Mm. Okay. And we know Jean likes to cheat at things. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In a mind reading society, that's definitely the one. Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> <His> cunning. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, true. When I think it would be like his penchant for making jokes that sometimes are <laughs> poorly timed or like sarcastic in a way that bullies would not care for. Mm. Maybe his like, I feel like he tells the truth that he feels in a way. <laughs> the truth that he feels. What is that? means i'm Michael. thinking about <laughs> like in season one with Kara when he kind of directly is like oh like he's a little too honest sometimes yeah <laughs> a little too honest what would be lena her feelings <laughs> having any emotions oh like that that's what would get her in trouble yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair <laughs> alex what would have gotten her in trouble as a little kid let's see Taking things a little too far. Oh, interesting. Like getting tunnel visioned on like needing to do something, whether it's mm. a for fun child activity that escalates into, well, <laughs> I didn't mean to flood the bathroom <laughs> or something like that. Oh, what about Nia? Nia. Hiding things. <gasps> yeah. McGon's is compassion. <laughs> oh, that's mean. I know. Brainy. What's the one that literally got him in trouble? <laughs> Wasn't it when he wanted to like take over an earth that his mom put in a bottle and stole for him <laughs> his too much gene <laughs> lila of paper asks best silly or serious theories for where brainy will work and sleep now that the dio has been destroyed will he become the new catco it guy <laughs> I said he's going to move in with Alex because she lives right near the DEO. Oh, That is a non-serious answer, <laughs> but it would be really funny. Yes. <gasps> Brittany and Jean. Oh, that is fantastic. Buddies. Roommate buddies. <gasps> That's real good. <laughs> Maybe Lena's going to start like a shelter for aliens and he can help run it. <laughs> Do you know what I see Brainy's, like, I have to make money job as? No. A Noonan's barista. <laughs> I was about to say an Uber driver. So, like. <laughs> Actually, Uber driver works well, too. I like the idea of him interacting with strangers and, like. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun and also probably good practice for him. Learning how the humans talk <laughs> like emotional intelligence oh yeah so wait but pause because the deo is a government organization so the building collapsing doesn't mean it's just gonna cease to exist <laughs> uh, yeah but there are a lot of sort of emotional ties that are being cut maybe brady's gonna get dramatically fired oh well uh, lex also owns the deo that is a good point so if lex is taken down then maybe Alrighty. So we're doing something a little bit different this week and next. We're not going to share our thoughts on the finale just yet. But if you would like to send us any of your feedback now that the season has come to a conclusion of sorts, feel free to send them to us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram. And we'll also be taking more questions after the finale episode airs. And thanks for listening. Thank you.